0: chapter 6 of the soul of a people this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox.org recording by carol fullerton samsel at clonesoflangston.com the soul of a people by h fielding chapter 6 war part two a quote from the dhammapada never in the world does hatred cease by hatred hatred ceases by love we were encamped at a little monastery in some fields by a village with a river in front up in the monastery there was but room for the officers so small was it and the men were camped beneath it in little shelters it was two o'clock and very hot and we were just about to take tiffin when news came that a party of armed men had been seen passing a little north of us it was supposed they were bound to a village known to be a very bad one Laka, and that they would camp there so boot and saddle rang from the trumpets and in a few moments later we were off fifty lances just as we started his old hindustani Christian servant came up to my friend the commandant and gave him a little paper put it in your pocket sahib he said the commandant had no time to talk no time even to look at what it could be he just crammed it into his breast pocket and we rode on the governor's son was our guide and he led us through winding lanes into a pass in the low hills the road was very narrow, and the heavy forest came down to our elbows as we passed. Now and again we crossed the stream, which had but little water in it, and the path would skirt its banks for a while. It was a beautiful country, but we had no time to notice it then, for we were in a hurry, and whenever the road would allow, we trotted and cantered. After five or six miles of this, we turned a spur of the hills and came out into a little grass glade on the banks of the stream and at the far end of this was the village where we expected to find those whom we sought they saw us first having a lookout on a high tree by the edge of the forest and as our advanced guard came trotting into the open he fired the shot echoed far up the hills like an angry shout and we could see a sudden stir in the village men running out of the houses with guns and swords and women and children running too poor things sick with fear they fired at us from the village fence but had no time to close the gate ere our sawers were in then they escaped in various ways to the forest and scrub running like madmen across the little bit of open and firing at us directly they reached the shelter where the cavalry could not come of course in the open they had no chance but in the dense forest they were safe enough the village was soon cleared and then we had to return it was no good to wait the valley was very narrow and was commanded from both its sides which were very steep and dense with forest beyond the village there was only forest again we had done what we could we had inflicted a very severe punishment on them. It was no good waiting, so we returned. They fired on us nearly all the way, hiding in the thick forest and perched on high rocks. At one place our men had to be dismounted to clear a breastwork, run up to fire at us from. All the forest was full of voices, voices of men and women and even children, cursing our guide. They cried his name that the spirits of the hills might remember that it was he who had brought desolation to their village figures started up on pinnacles of cliff and cursed him as he rode by us they did not curse it was our guide and so after some trouble we got back that band never attacked us again as we were dismounting my friend put his hand in his pocket and found the little paper he took it out, looked at it, and when his servant came up to him, he gave the paper back with a curious little smile full of many thoughts. You see, he said, I am safe. No bullet has hit me. And the servant's eyes were dim. He had been very long with his master, and loved him, as did all who knew him. It was the goodness of God, he said, the great goodness of God. Will not the sahib keep the paper? but the sahib would not. You may need it as well as I. Who can tell in this war? And he returned it. And the paper? It was a prayer, a prayer used by the Roman Catholic Church, printed on a sheet of paper. At the top was a red cross. The paper was old and worn, creased at the edges. It had evidently been much used, much read, such was the charm that kept the soldier from danger the nights were cold then when the sun had set and after dinner we used to have a campfire built of wood from the forest to sit round for a time and talk before turning in the native officers of the cavalry would come and sit with us and one or two of the burmans too we were a very mixed assembly i remember one night very well I think it must have been the very night after the fight at Laka, and we were all of us round the fire. I remember there was a half-moon bending towards the west, throwing tender lights upon the hills and turning into a silver gauze the light white mist that lay upon the rice-fields. Opposite to us, across the little river, a ridge of hill ran down into the water that bent round its foot. The ridge was covered with forest, very black with silver edges on the skyline, it was out of range for a burmese flint gun or we should not have camped so near it on all the other sides the fields stretched away till they ended in the forest that gloomed beyond i was talking to the governor's son our guide of the fight at Lacca, of the prospects of the future and of the intentions of the prince of Wuntho, in whose country laka lay I remarked to him how the Burmans of Wantho seemed to hate him, of how they had cursed him from the hills, and he admitted it was true. All except my friends, he said, hate me, and yet what have I done? I had to help my father to get back his governorship. They forget that they attacked us first. He went on to tell me of how every day he was threatened, of how he was sure they would murder him sometime. Because he had joined us, they are sure to kill me sometime. He said, He seemed sad and depressed, not afraid. So we talked on, and I asked him about charms. Are there not charms that will prevent you being hurt if you are hit, and that will not allow a sword to cut you? We hear of invulnerable men. There were the immortals of the king's guard, for instance and he said yes there were charms but no one believed in them except the villagers he did not nor did men of education of course the ignorant people believed in them there were several sorts of charms you could be tattooed with certain mystic letters that were said to insure you against being hit and there were certain medicines you could drink there were also charms made out of stone such as a little tortoise he had once seen that was said to protect its wearer there were mysterious writings on palm leaves there were men he said vaguely who knew how to make these things for himself he did not believe in them i tried to learn from him then and i have tried from others since whether these terms have any connection with buddhism i cannot find that they have they are never in the form of images of the buddha or of extracts from the sacred writings there is not so far as i can make out any religious significance in these charms mostly they are simply mysterious i never heard that the people connect them with their religion indeed all forms of enchantment and of charms are most strictly prohibited one of the vows that monks take is never to have any dealings with charms or with the supernatural and so buddhism cannot even give such little assistance to its believers as to furnish them with charms if they have charms it is against their faith it is a falling away from the purity of their teachings it is simply the innate yearning of man to the supernatural to the mysterious Man's passions are very strong, and if he must fight, he must also have a charm to protect him in fight. If his religion cannot give it him, he must find it elsewhere. You see that, as the teachings of the Buddha have never been able to be twisted so as to permit war directly, neither have they been able to assist indirectly, by furnishing charms, by making the fighter bulletproof and i thought then of the little prayer and the cross that were so certain a defence against hurt we talked for a long time in the waning moonlight by the ruddy fire and at last we broke up to go to bed as we rose a voice called to us across the water from the little promontory in the still night every word was as clear as the note of a gong sleep well it cried sleep well sleep well we all stood astonished those who did not know burmese wondering at the voice those who did wondering at the meaning the sentries peered keenly towards the sound sleep well the voice cried again eat well it will not be for long sleep well while you may and then after a pause it called the governor's son's name and traitor traitor till the hills were full of sound the burman turned away you see he said how they hate me what would be the good of charms the voice was quiet and the camp sank into stillness and ere long the moon set and it was quite dark he was a brave man and indeed there were many brave men amongst the burmese they kill leopards with sticks and stones very often, and even tigers. They take their frail little canoes across the Irrawaddy in flood in a most daring way. They in no way want for physical courage, but they have never made a cult of bravery. It has never been a necessity to them. It has never occurred to them that it is the prime virtue of a man. You will hear them confess in the calmest way i was afraid we would not do that we should be much more afraid to say it and the teaching of buddhism is all in favour of this nowhere is courage i mean aggressive courage praised no soldier could be a fervent buddhist no nation of buddhists could be good soldiers for not only does buddhism not inculcate bravery but it does not inculcate obedience each man is the ruler of his life but the very essence of good fighting is discipline and discipline subjection is unknown in buddhism therefore the inherent courage of the burmans could have no assistance from their faith in any way but the very contrary it fought against them there is no flexibility in buddhism it is a law and nothing can change it Laws are forever and forever, and there are no exceptions to them. The law of the Buddha is against war, war of any kind at all, and there can be no exception. And so every Burman who fought against us knew that he was sinning. He did it with his eyes open. He could never imagine any exception in his favor. Never could he in his bivouac, look at the stars and imagine that any power looked down in approbation of his deeds no one fought for him our bayonets and lances were no keys to open to him the gates of paradise no monks could come and close his dying eyes with promises of rewards to come he was sinning and he must suffer long and terribly for this breach of the laws of righteousness if such be the faith of the people and if they believe their faith, it is a terrible handicap to them in any fight. It delivers them bound into the hands of the enemy. Such is Buddhism. But it must never be forgotten that if this faith does not assist the believer in defence, neither does it in offence. What is so terrible as a war of religion? There can never be a war of Buddhism no ravished country has ever borne witness to the prowess of the followers of the buddha no murdered men have poured out their blood on their hearthstones killed in his name no ruined women have cursed his name to high heaven he and his faith are clean of the stain of blood he was the preacher of the great peace of love of charity of compassion and so clear is his teaching that it can never be misunderstood wars of invasion the Burmese have waged that is true in Siam in Assam and in Pegu they are but men and men will fight if they were perfect in their faith the race would have died out long ago they have fought but they have never fought in the name of their faith they have never been able to prostitute its teachings to their own wants whatever the burmans have done they have kept their faith pure when they have offended against the laws of the buddha they have done so openly their souls are guiltless of hypocrisy for whatever that may avail them they have known the difference between good and evil even if they have not always followed the good end of chapter six